All right, everybody, welcome back for another show of Total CEO. Vinny Fisher, the founder of and CEO of Fully Accountable here with you today. Hey, I have a great guest on the show. Mark Monchek is the creator, CEO of Opportunity Lab. Mark, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, Vinny, my pleasure. I'm excited to be with you. Actually, technically, I am the chief opportunity officer All right. All of right. the Opportunity Lab uh, because, you know, our mantra is, um, you know, what's the opportunity? Cool. And so All we right. try to brand everything with the, uh, with the concept of uh, opportunity is there. No matter what you think it's happening to you, good, bad, or ugly, there's always an opportunity in, in it. So the fun is, of course, that means you're the COO of your business because you have to, you got an acronym, but that's cool. That's great. So, uh, I, well, we do have a CEO. Uh, right. Our CEO is our chief empowerment officer. Love it. Um, and so we, we think of, of each other's, you know, even though I own the company, we're equals in a sense. We try to make decisions with consensus. We're a very collaborative company. That's the way we try to work with our clients. Um, so it's more about the titles being fun and expressive and something unique rather than um, something that, you know, doesn't mean anything. So I'm real excited about like kind of this idea of discussing opportunity, what a business should look like today as we've matured in the business marketplace. Before we get there, could you do a quick who's Mark so people know who's who they're listening to and who you are, what you do? Uh, yeah, well, so as I said, I'm Chief Opportunity Officer of the Opportunity Lab. Our mission is to empower conscious leaders to build great companies that make a difference in the world. Love it. What we do is strategy and leadership development for companies, uh, particularly mid to large size um, privately held companies, but we work with over the years, many publicly companies, publicly traded companies, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, UBS, Morgan Stanley, um, you know, Apple. So it's not about what company, it's really about the, what company sees an opportunity to grow their business in a profitable and sustainable way. Because our my, my book, which is coming out in a couple of weeks, which is called Culture of Opportunity, How to Grow Your Business in the Age of Disruption, essentially says that the way we've been thinking about growing our businesses over the last you know several decades is really broken. And we need to rethink how we think about growing our businesses. All right, so let's let's stop right there. So if I wanted to find out more about you and your team, where would I go? Um, you go to oplab.com, O-P-P-L-A-B.com. Um, you'll see the book. You'll see our offerings. We have about 25 videos on our YouTube channel, Oplab TV. Uh, we have So blog. I can get a real good understanding of you real quick at Oplab, and it would take me through all the stuff I wanted to see, and we could find that. Okay, now let's get back to this thing, this culture of opportunity. Can you – the formula – I want to hear this historical formula that you're rubbing up against. They want to change the formula or, or enlighten people about the change of the formula. Well, Vinny, you know, every great story has a backstory. So mm -hmm. let me tell you the backstory because the backstory will help you understand uh, the main story. Yeah. So in um, 2007, I went to India for three weeks. I had an amazing experience. I don't know if you've ever been to India, but it's, it's a country, the largest democracy on earth. And um, they have taken 300 million, maybe 400 million by now, Indians out of poverty in the last uh, 20 years. So I had a very powerful spiritual experience in India, came back, and in January of 2008 found out that the uh, office manager of my company had stolen an enormous amount of money from us during the past six months. <clears throat> so that was a very devastating personal experience. 
uh, I went into a state of anxiety, eventually depression. So imagine that we're heading into the spring of 2008 and every day you're waking up and you're seeing that UBS laid out 5,000 people, Citibank laying off 10,000 people, stock market is going down every day. Uh, companies that were number one in their market mm. for years, the Lehman Brothers. The tough uh, time. Oh, eight was a tough time. And that's exactly the time when one of your close executives cleaned out the cupboards? Yeah, I wouldn't say she cleaned out the cupboards, but she definitely left not too much left in the cupboards. All right. Um, so I, I went into a tailspin at the same time that the economy was going to tailspin. So it, it was really like a parallel crashes. And I ended up in the um, summer, August of 2008, in the hospital with a clinical depression I couldn't beat. Never imagined that it would ever happen to me. Wow. And I woke up out of that hospital leaving to go back home with this deep sense of gratitude. Like, I'm, I'm still alive. What's the lesson? And what's the opportunity? And the second word after gratitude was opportunity. And I said, you know, what's the opportunity in this disaster for me? And then what's the opportunity in, in the environment of what's going on in business? So I started to see this interesting um, phenomenon. I, I imagine if you think back about it, right? So you've got these companies like that I mentioned that are um, either going out of business or shrinking. I mean, we're talking about a company like Nokia that was number one, number one manufacturer of handset makers in the world. Um, they went from number one and now they're a tiny shell of themselves. Blockbuster, which had basically taken over the video rental market, uh, went out of business. Circuit City, major company, out of business. Right, big turnover at that time. Yep. Big, change, big change of the guard. Yeah, right. And at the same time, you saw these other companies, Amazon and Apple, uh, Zappos, Google, right? um, Google uh, all taking off. And despite how bad the economy was, they were growing. Facebook. You right. Know? You name um, it. The, so digital, I, the, new, the digital era and the rethinking of business kind of took over where old school business kind of got – there was a change of the guard, right? Yeah. So it was it – was, digital but it was also a mindset right so the the mindset of the old capitalism was um i have to get everything that i can now and if the economy is bad i gotta wait i gotta cut jobs i gotta cut expenses and wait for the economy to get better whereas the new companies were basically saying okay what's the opportunity what can i do for my customers now that um that they need so uber uber started in in 2009 right so what did they do? They saw all of these people who were unemployed, underemployed, who had a car and a license and were able to drive. And they were able to aggregate all of these people and all these people who were paying a lot for a cab or couldn't get a cab uh, to get to be able to ride, right? So Uber was a great example of a company that, that took advantage of the economy. Airbnb, same thing, right? Um, you had people who had homes, didn't have money. They were able to rent their homes through Airbnbs, you know. Well, I would say Uber, Airbnb, Amazon, Facebook, you know, they've changed the way we do business, right? And so those are large pillars. So how does this then translate back to the 98% of the rest of the medium size and businesses that have to uh, flank off of this, right? They've changed the way we do business. I, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. But now what's the opportunity there for all the businesses that's sitting in the wake of all that? Well, Vinny, it's important to understand why they changed the way we think about business because they think about opportunity in a very, very unique way. Hmm. They don't think the economy is good or the economy is bad. They don't think the competitor is good or the competitor is bad. They think 
what is the opportunity and what can we do to leverage our strengths to help our customers, help our employees, and help the communities that we're operating in. That kind of mindset is what's made them continue to grow and other companies who have a more of a scarcity, you know, circle the wagons mindset have shrunk because- So these are all different guys, all different boards, all different people. How do they end up having some of the same mindset? Well, it's just like any, any entrepreneur, you have a mindset about your day. You start out your day and you say, is my day going to be a day of complaints or is it going to be a day of miracles? You know, like I say to myself, no matter what the weather is, uh, I'm going to find out how to adapt to that weather. You know, if I come in and, um, you know, one of my employees is in a terrible mood, I can say, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? What are you, what, what are you feeling bad about? So, so are you saying that, that these major icon companies thought that way? For the most part, I think they did. I think they, they, they thought about um, their customers in a very, very unique way. They didn't think, well, the way I served them yesterday is the way I'm serving today. You know, they are continually thinking about how they can improve. I mean, if, if you take Amazon as an example, um, I can't think of a day that goes by without Amazon doing something to go get into a new market to, to improve its service to its customers to make something faster for you. All right, now, one of the things I want to be fair about is these companies you discussed lose massive amounts of money, right? Massives. Like, I mean, as a shareholder of Amazon, we lose massive amounts of money on a quarterly basis. So, like, it's still not a profitable company, like, but it's out there sufficiently capitalized doing well, what it's doing. To be fair, Amazon lost a lot of money for many, many years. And they've been profitable for the last 16 quarters. Um, so they are actually profitable now. Um, well, they are not, not extremely profitable, but they are profitable enough to, you know, um, to be able to continue to invest. Yeah, they so call it a ramen profit, right? It's able to, people can eat. That's about what's going on there. But I with you, I'm not, not trying to actually be argumentative here. I agree. But one of the unique factors of those four companies we identified is they went, way negative for a long time knowing that something was going to turn in the future right well they're all they're all different Vinny so like Amazon Amazon is really an outlier I mean they're they're really uh, very very different and let's yep. say Apple has been profitable for quite a long time you know they've got hundred billion dollars in the bank so they're they're a different thing but let's talk about the guy who owns the pizza shop or the guy who owns you know the accounting service or you know yep. the woman who, you know, who owns the um, uh, like a service company, right? Yeah, yep. Right. It's, Which makes up 80% of our marketplace here in America is service businesses. Right. Yep. So it's still, it's still a mindset, right? Okay. It's still um, asking the question, what is the opportunity? And let me go through the system that we developed, yeah. which is really simple. Uh, it's explained very clearly in the book. And any company, even an individual uh, working by herself can use this process. So Culture of Opportunity is the book. And we can find that on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon. The pre-orders start today, and the actual launch will be on the 15th of May in uh, just in a few weeks. Okay. You can go to our website. You can sign up uh, to get the pre-order of the book. And, um, yeah. So, All right. Cool. So here's, here's, here's how it starts. So we, we believe that every company, and this is sort of plays right to what you guys, uh, the title of your business, Fully Accountable, has cool. to be accountable to what – its measure of success is. Absolutely. So the first step is business results. How are you defining success in your business? 
and making sure that those metrics, those results that you are tracking are results that are sustainable and will help you grow over time. So if you only care about profit, um, then that's what you will look at and you won't look at things that are really critical to continue to make profit sustainable over time, such as customer satisfaction, employee engagement, uh, product development, um, you know, lowering your cost of doing business. So we say pick five or less business results that you're committed to in this year. Hmm. And we focus on um, one to two years, not 10 to 20 years. So yep. the, the Harvard Business School model was have a long-term vision, right? Yep. Let's project the future, Yep. right? Well, maybe we used to be able to do that, but I don't know about you. I can barely know what's happening five minutes from now. Well, I mean, I think a fact that our, our world should listen to, and I think the reason why I really do resonate with this, where I think Harvard Business Review has this wrong, 94% of companies will not make it to the 10th year. Mm -hmm. So why put something of a plan in place that's not the statistically is not going to happen? Yeah, but it that's true. And even the ones that do make it to the tenth and twenty year, the fact that you think that you're you're tricking yourself into thinking I can predict what's happening five or ten years right. from now makes you not focus on what's happening right now. Right, you're not present in today's opportunity. Right. Like literally. I mean, I, as a dad of four children, like life changes ridiculously right. fast. So, you know, I, I look at life and seasons in 18 and 36 months. I kind of try to put guardrails on what are we going to do for the next 18 months? How does that impact the next 36 months of our business? Yeah. So I'm, I'm all for having a long-term intention and a vision in general terms of how you want to grow your business. Yeah. Start with what are you committed to right now? Love it. And, you know, five or less key metrics, how you're measuring your business. The second step is we say, all right, what is your, who, who is your opportunity team? Who are the people that you need to surround yourself with that is going to give you the best understanding of the things that you, the entrepreneur or the CEO, or the owner can't know by yourself. So the, one of the other criteria of these great companies that have been growing uh, exponentially through the worst economic times is they have people on their board um, and people outside the company who, who are continually challenging the status quo. The companies that went out of business that were number one or two in their market were not challenging the status quo. They were believing that what they did yesterday was still going to be okay tomorrow. Yeah. I um, mean, Blockbuster is a classic example you named on that list, right? Kodak, yeah. classic example. These, these companies had it right in front of them and chose not to take advantage of the opportunity. Right. So we, we help our clients put together an opportunity team Usually it's six to 10 people, half inside the company, half outside the company. The criteria for being on the team is you need to have a strategic mindset. You need to be willing to be honest and challenge the, the status quo. You need to have some competency that complements the other people on your inside team. Um, and you have to be willing to you know, speak your mind and, and have a generous heart to be able to offer to, you know, to make the company better. So we've got your business results, we've got your opportunity team, and then we do something very weird and strange, Vinny, really bizarre. We study what works in your company. We study success. And what, what I say weird is that you know we're a culture that studies failure. Right. So if you look at the um, New York Times every day or the Wall Street Journal or any major media outlet, you're going to see all the things in the world that are failing. And you'd think that if you were a Martian and came down from here, you'd say, wow, this whole world must be failing. Well. 
it can't be failing or else you and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to each other on Zoom, right? Your business wouldn't be operating. Your clients wouldn't be um, doing business. Yeah, so are there a lot of things failing? Absolutely. But every company has what we call a success DNA, a specific set of conditions inside the company and outside the company that makes that company successful at that particular point in time. The difference between great companies and not so great companies is the great companies know what their success DNA is and they leverage it and they intentionally get involved in opportunities that leverage their greatness. Or I guess, I guess the other part of that is, or drop the ones that don't look like their success DNA, right? So if you can know what success looks like, you know when to drop things that don't look successful. Is that something that comes out of this? It's very important. In fact, that, that may be the most important thing because if you don't have the discipline to say no to those things that are wrong, you'll get distracted and you'll fail trying to do something that you're, you aren't meant to do. Love it. So the classic example of, six of a company going off of its success DNA was in 2012 Apple you know one of the biggest and most successful companies in the history of the world decided that they were going to kick the um, Google Maps the GPS Google app off of the iPhone why did they do this well Steve Jobs who passed away in the fall of 2011 basically went to his grave saying anything you can do to, to screw Google do it so they were doing it really out of revenge of a competitor rather than anything good for their customers. So what happened? It was a nightmare. People hated the IMAP or whatever the, the yep, Apple yep. map thing was. Yep. The guy who ran that division got fired. Quickly, um, they apologized and they put the Google app back on the iPhone. Okay. So Apple's success DNA has been manufacture it, design it inside, make it perfect. Don't release it until it's right. Make it simple and elegant and make it something customers really want. Well, their IMAP thing was absolutely not that at all. So, right. how, so how do we, how, let's, 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 how does a company, let's give our listeners something here. How does a, how do we start to discover, I get study success, but how do we start to really identify the success DNA? Well, we have a tool in the book called Success DNA, and we ask you, so Vinny, um, let's look at the five most successful projects that you've done in your company in the last two to three years. Okay. And let's list the conditions inside your company and then outside in the marketplace for success number one, then success two, three, four, five. Okay. And then we'll say, um, what's the worst failure you had? Yeah. What's the thing you just wish you hadn't done? Everyone knows that, right? We all know Every, that. Everyone knows that. And as soon as they remember that, they have the aha moment says, you know what? When we fail, we go off of the success pattern. Nice. We get greedy. We get opportunistic. We take shortcuts. We don't communicate properly. Right? So. Yep. Um, I love that. So now. So I love focusing on the companies that succeed. So, you know, I, my faith is critically important to me. So the world talks about like improve on your weaknesses, which is exactly the opposite of what we've been really gratefulness and success is, is putting your thoughts in hope and joy and peace and on things above things that actually will stand in our truthful successful. So how, I mean, in medium companies and above, we're talking about stalwarts of corporate people. I, I came out of that world. How do you go in 
and get someone to start thinking like that. Because I would say at a smaller, probably, you know, our sweet spot in that 10 to 30 million range, you're going to have probably a little less resistance. So how do you fight through that Chinese wall? Well, it only takes one key executive, key leader who understands that there's a better way. Hmm. And then everyone kind of falls in line behind that kind of thing? Well, it, it doesn't happen uh, quickly or automatically. Uh, however, you know, people are, are smart enough to know that the world is changing radically and they see what these great companies are doing. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know if you, if you remember back uh, to 10th grade mathematics, there was a guy named Archimedes, a Greek mathematician. Mm -hmm. And he said... Um, Take the world, and if you give me a lever, right, a lever and a fulcrum, yep. and a place to stand, I can lift the earth, right? So if the earth is your company, with all of its problems and challenges, all things that are going on, what the, what the culture of opportunity does is, hmm. let's look at where you should place that lever and the fulcrum, fulcrum. And the place to stand is the culture of opportunity process with your opportunity team looking outside your company from 10,000 feet and say, where is the first place we can begin to put that lever and begin to move that company? Love it. Right. So um, it, it's all about where is the place to start. And we try to do a quick win. We try to start with the thing that we think is the most leverageable. And the way we do that is we understand that every company and every person, no matter how much they're failing, no matter how bad they think they are, how small they think they are, has enough resources to be able to do what they want to do. It's just they don't know how to see those resources you know, and don't know how to actualize and make those resources accessible to them. I'll tell you all the time, Mark, in our business groups, and I'll hear people ask certain questions. How do we get certain things done? How do we move and accelerate? And I'll ask someone about their business. Like, hey, this whole thing, tell me about your big win. And they'll tell you, I'm like, so how's that going? Oh, we're on to something else. Why? I, I don't know. Like, we're always off trying other things instead of driving deep our successes. Like, so you probably see a big lift real quickly getting people back on mission, success DNA. Like, how do you, how do you bring them back? Because, like, what's the aha moment that makes that happen? Yeah, so this is sort of the instant gratification society. Everybody is, yeah. is chasing the shiny new object and, you know, the, the newest food and the newest podcast and the newest this. Well, if something succeeds, I want to know why it succeeded, how it succeeded, and I want to do it again, you know, in, in maybe with a different customer, maybe in a different market, uh, but I want to build and leverage, you know, that success. Um, so the way that we expand those successes is we map the resources of a company or a person, but our, our clients are companies, um, to show it as an ecosystem, right? So... A lot of this change, Vinny, that I'm talking about is really about going from a scarcity mindset, right? The, the capitalism of the last 350 years basically has come out of scarcity. Not enough money, not enough land, not enough oil, not enough people, right? And therefore, it's a competitive me versus- Dog eat dog kind of environment, right? Right, but now we've got to the point in the history of the world where we have enough food for everybody to eat. We have enough housing for everybody to have a home. We have enough technology for everybody to be able to use it well. However, we're, we don't necessarily know how to use it, how to share it, and how to even see where it is, right? 
So we have this um, tool called the resource map and we map the resources of your company to show it like an ecosystem. So we map people and we break people down into three categories, connectors, experts, and accelerators. Then we map organizations that you're, you're affiliated with. Uh, then we map the markets that you do business in, um, the sources of capital, where you, know, where you get your money, the knowledge, and the communication. When you see that all on a mind map, and let me see if I can quickly pull it out in the book, um, it's, it's very, very powerful to see all of those things um, in one place. Uh, and what, what, what's the result that comes out of that? You, more opportunity, the success DNA? Like what, what's the, what does it drill down to after you start really seeing it? Right, so let's say you're looking for uh, a new group of customers. You yeah. decide that you wanna grow and you wanna focus on a particular ver vertical market of customers for your company. Okay. The, the old mindset says, they're out there somewhere, we got to hire a marketing firm to find them. We got to advertise. We got to spend all this money. The new mindset, the abundance mindset says every customer I need in that vertical already exists within three degrees of separation of, from me. Okay. Yep. So I have about 2000 um, first degree connections on LinkedIn. Right. So three degrees of separation just from me, not even from my whole company, just for me as an individual. I can reach about 11 million people, right? So you think about if I'm inviting a party of 2,000 people and each of those people is inviting their network. And even, then those, if, even if it's only 100 people, right? It's like, let's just call it small. I get you. Right, even if it's 100 people, you're, you're into the hundreds of thousands. Right, right. Okay? So every customer you need is already there. The question is, how do you find them? So when you map people, Right? So you're going to put on your map, you're going to put, let's say, the 15 or 20, 30 most strategic people, not everybody, but the ones that actually um, move the needle for you, the key organizations, and those organizations should, could be your clients, could be investors, your vendors, your local trade association, your community groups, um, the markets you do business in. So let's say if you're, if you're in the real estate market, um, those markets are all interconnected. So the Real estate uh, broker knows the real estate accountant, knows the real estate lawyer, you know, knows the appraiser, knows the banks, all that, right? Then we look at sources of capital and you go beyond just your bank, you go into friends and family, uh, small business administration, um, you know, all grants and loans and all kinds of things that- All right, I love this. So you get the resource map. You actually, at this point, you already have at least a clear as mud view of your success DNA, or are you still working through that? You know, Vinny, if you put down five successes and compare it with your biggest failure, yep. you're gonna get really clear on your success DNA. Yeah, I, and I, I, I could use the example of where Fully Accountable, we did this. And so I'm, I'm poking away so that people go through this exercise, because what you're saying is critical, and not enough people sit there and focus with gratitude on success we're always trying to overcome the gap of failure. So this is huge. All right, Mark, we're running out of time. The culture of opportunity sounds great. Go to Amazon, buy the book. If you want to know more about Mark Monchek, you go to oplab.com. All that here on our live show will be there in the links. What's something you want to leave everybody with? A nice thought. What's a good nugget you want to leave them with? Everybody has enough opportunity to take their business or their life to the level they wanted to 
if you switch your mindset from scarcity to abundance, from I to we, and really focus on what you're grateful for and how you can leverage your success, seeing all your resources, you'll be able to take your company or yourself to the next level of sustainable growth. That's awesome. Mark, what's the hardest thing um, that's a struggle or burden that you're working through right now that we want to throw out there that our community or people could find a way to help with? Well, we just want to get this book out into the hands of as many people as possible. We think it's a way, a very simple way. It's a 140 page book. It's simple. It's how to, it's real basic. It's got a whole set of tools. Um, to be able to help businesses really grow in a sustainable way that will make their customers, their employees, their communities feel really good about doing business with them. So anything you guys can do to promote the, the book um, will make us feel good and we feel like we gave a gift out there and the gift is going to be returning itself uh, by sharing it between your audience and ours. I love it. All right, Mark. Hey, I really appreciate having you on the show today. And uh, everybody, once again, Vinny Fisher here. The show is Total CEO. As the founder and CEO of Fully Accountable, we go through this stuff where we are always focusing on our successes. We are a, an example of this. And I'm really excited to go back, go through everything we've done, make sure we have no false idols, and get advantage of this culture of opportunity. Mark, thanks for being on the show today. Vinny, my great pleasure.